Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the spring statement in this episode of the podcast. Uh, There's been a lot of conversation about did it go far enough? Did it not go far enough? Does it really help people? Does Does it help people? I guess the jury is still out right now, but I think the overwhelming feeling is that not enough help is being given. I ran a poll on Instagram uh, on Friday and I asked the question, you know, do you feel as though Rishi Sunak is in touch with the plight of the ordinary person in this country? And the overwhelming response was at 86% no. Um, And many people are arguing that, you know, you shouldn't expect someone like Rishi, who is a multimillionaire in his own right, and he's got a billionaire uh, wife, to be in touch with the general public, because he's just not from that place from a financial point of view. And the question then becomes, okay, so if, you, if you're if you not one of the people, how do you know what it really feels like? And I feel sorry for the guy because you can never get these kind of things right, but we can't ignore the actual facts. The help that's been um, announced is not, it's not, it's not enough. It's not going to help ordinary people who are going to really, really be suffering. So I want to cover a little bit of that. Before we get started, though, I'm a little bit behind on everything right now. So issue three of The Convo, which is my monthly magazine, is going to be out uh, now. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday. You're going to hear this tomorrow on Monday. So it's out literally right now by the time you listen to this. Um, It's been funny because I've been filming for Channel 4 over the last three, three and a half weeks. And um, I've been going into people's homes, looking at their finances as part of the show. And it's incredible to see talking about energy prices specifically, how much energy prices are actually going up. I sat with a couple where, you know, their energy pro- their energy costs were going to go up from 140 a month to 280 pounds a month. And they start asking questions and saying, you know, this is insane. Like, how can we afford this? And looking at finances from a fiscal point of view and from a pragmatic point of view, then start asking questions. Well, if your energy prices are going to be doubling, which it is for most people, how do you make the books balance, if you will? How do you rejig your finances, move things around to ensure that you're still able to enjoy life at the same standard of living that you've begun to enjoy? And this is the sad bit. You know, I talk about enjoying a standard of living, and this is going to be the biggest drop in you know, disposable income, the biggest drop in our standard of living for what feels like, you know, decades, right? It's a place of luxury to be even talking about having the ability to rejig your finances so that you can maintain said standard of living, knowing that there will be a huge swathe of the population 
who this is going to tip them over the edge. And I did a live on YouTube on Friday evening, last Friday evening, and I talked about, you know, this is a dangerous time because we already talk about the wealth divide, right? This is going to get even bigger. It's going to push people at the bottom end of the income spectrum to start utilizing things like, you know, debt, payday loans, credit cards, overdraft, personal loans, all of those kind of facilities that in the end, they make banks a lot of money. And I talk a lot about investing here and it's always a double-edged sword, but I talked about, you know, in an inflationary environment, what kind of companies should you be buying or, or are good bets in periods of high inflation? I listed energy companies, I listed financial services companies for this, this exact reason. The energy market right now is not a market. It's not. It is a monopoly. The financial services system, well, you could say there's more players, they can be competitive, so you can argue that it's a, a market. But the reality is, these guys are going to make a lot of money as people who are struggling to make ends meet right now try to access borrowing facilities, credit facilities that they're going to be charging a lot of money for. From an investor's point of view, it makes it a good investment. But just from a day-to-day -day consumer point of view, obviously, it's it's just laden with all kinds of pitfalls and dangers. And so in this episode, let's get going with, you know, uh, some of the measures that Rishi announced. Uh, the first one, which was, you know, there's rumors of this not actually being um, passed on to consumers in its entirety. It's the whole fuel duty uh, reduction. He reduced it by 5p. So it's not a lot of money, obviously, but the numbers were that it was going to save the average motorist £100 a year in fuel cost. Now, I don't know about you. This is the bit that I'm just like, okay, so £100 a year for the average motorist. £100 a year equates to like £8.33 a month. My partner has seen her fuel cost increase by that at least on a weekly basis. So little bits being given back that don't really make that much of a difference, it's almost laughable. And, you know, if, if prices continue to go up because obviously Ukraine and Russia and the whole debacle around fuel, oil, and, you know, there's a whole thing about the petrodollar right now, which is another topic on its own. If prices increase beyond this, how much of a difference is that really going to make? You're given a fuel duty reduction of 5p to an ever-increasing fuel cost so whilst you say that it's going to save 100 pounds per you know for an average motorist in real terms it's not really making any difference and we're already hearing at this point in time that a lot of the uh, petrol stations the providers aren't actually passing on the full 5p uh, savings to customers there's you know news articles saying that they're only passing on two pounds 71 which you know it's insane. You start to ask the question of was this thought through properly or was this a knee-jerk reaction in terms of a policy statement that came out in the spring statement because, my God, we've got to do something. So let's be seen to do something. You have to ask that question. So it's there. It's a little bit. doesn't go anywhere near enough, far enough, I would say, but we are where we are. Um, the other one that he mentioned, um, which was a little surprising to me, and on first glance, you're like, oh my God, this is big. This is, this is going to be amazing. But 
you just realize that, hang on a second, we're in, it's not going to kick in until 2024. And this is the income tax cut from 19, from 20%, sorry, to 19%. So that is the basic rate, um, income rate, right? So the tax that you're paying on your income. Now, that would be a really, really big difference to a lot of people. 1%. It's estimated that that is a £5 billion tax cut for people who are working. And I think that would be welcome. It would be welcome if it was available now, though. I mean, 2024 is, is, is a long way away, especially when you're feeling the, the pinch and the pain of increasing uh, costs around you right now. The promise that you could you could get a, you'll be paying less um, income tax in two years time. Why even announce it? Like, why would you even put that on the table right now? I, it didn't make any sense to me. And it sounds great. And it is great. And this is the thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit. You know, if you watched him when he was giving his um, this statement in, in Parliament, he ended by saying that this is one of the largest tax cuts in the last 16 years. And my response to that is, you're not doing this out of the goodness of your own heart, Rishi. <laughs> you know, you're doing this because you're backed into a corner and you have to do something. Furthermore, you're not making this an immediate thing. If you made this from April, people will be able to know that, okay, there's something tangible here that's gonna help me cope, right? But it isn't. It's in 2024. So it's something to look forward to. But who knows whether this is something that will get uh, walked back at some point in 2024. Who knows? So whilst it's a nice little gesture, it's almost not even worth mentioning at all. The third thing that he mentioned that I thought does make a big difference is the whole national insurance um, aspect of things. So currently, um, if you're, I think you earn 9,500 and something, 580 or 570 when you start to pay national insurance contributions. He didn't just increase it by a small amount. And this is the big one. He actually increased it by quite a bit. So for the first time in our history, I guess, when you look at our tax system, we have two numbers that match. So you're not going to be paying any national insurance contributions until you earn 12,570. That is a big thing for people on lower incomes, right? So 20,000 pounds a year, roughly, that's going to save you circa about 300 pounds a year. So some will say that that's not a large amount of money, but it's still 300 quid. And actually it will make a big difference. It, as you go up to you know higher income levels, you start crossing forty thousand pounds. Then actually, you're not saving any money. But this is the bit where you start playing devil's advocate because although he has done this and it's a welcome change, that's probably the biggest change where people are going to feel it in their own pockets. We mustn't forget that he's already increased national insurance contributions by one point two five percent anyway. So he's kind of giving and taking on the same token. But ultimately, people on higher incomes are going to be paying more in national insurance contributions, which many will argue is the right thing to do, which I believe is the right thing to do as well. But this has certainly been a welcome uh, piece of help that he did announce during the spring statement, which I think is the biggest one, the most helpful of the measures that he, that he introduced. Now, talking about those ones specifically... I do want to talk a little bit about maybe some tips to help people. Now, I don't know about you, but I had my counter tax bill 
um, through over the last week or so. And obviously, council tax has gone up because it goes up every single year. I mean, I remember, you know, probably five, six years ago when I moved into this place, we were paying something, I think it was around about 125 quid, I mean, uh, a month for council tax. Now we're looking at 170 pounds a month. It's absolutely nuts. Now, generally, we pay these things up front because I prefer to just do it that way. And I've got the cash set aside. Many people can't do this. But what I do want to talk about is the fact that we have seen council tax obviously increase. But something that Rishi did announce back in February to help people combat the cost of living was the £150 rebate on your council tax. Now, on my council tax bill, and I would encourage you if you are and you have already received your council tax bill and you're looking at it right now, um, try and look for the £150 council tax rebate because it's not on my statement. So I had a look at the um, government website a little bit earlier on today. And this is what you've got to do if, if you can't see it in your council, your council tax statement or your bill. So basically, if you pay by direct debit, essentially what happens is they will send you the cash. It will hit your account, but you have to set up a direct debit for that to happen. So you set up a direct debit, the £150 hits your account. You don't have to pay back this £150, by the way. So it is money back to you for doing a direct debit. Now, if you're like me, where you pay um, your council tax upfront, then what you have to do is you have to ring your your local council and say, look, I've got my council tax bill. I know that I'm entitled to £150 uh, council tax rebate to help with cost of living. And then they will tell you how to claim. I think it's important that you make sure that you do claim these things because frankly, it is your entitlement. You know, you're entitled to this money. It's something that the government has said um, they're going to make available to you. So don't, don't miss out. The other thing that um, I guess I want to talk about here is the fact that because I've been going into people's homes and, and looking at their finances and stuff, I've noticed a little bit of a trend. Now, if you look back over the, the period of the pandemic, it became very, very easy to be able to buy things online. And I've certainly seen that through recording. Um, people purchasing things online and it becomes like this really big problem. And whilst as people, we kind of enjoy our shopping and we need to obviously have a little bit of retail, you know, therapy sometimes in times like this, if you are struggling with the energy price increases, inflation, all this kind of stuff, cost of living pretty much just going up and standards, you know, disposable income decreasing, I would really strongly encourage people to have a look at their bank statements because a lot of the people that we spoke to, they didn't realize the level of spending they had in certain areas. And you won't know it until you have a look at it. And when you have a look at it, it might actually surprise you. So this is budgeting 101. It's basic stuff, but it's really, really important. Just go back over your last statements for the last six months. It means you've got to dedicate maybe half an hour to this, but it will be worthwhile doing it. Have a look at your statement for the last six months and try and tally up where you're spending your money. If you're using like a budgeting app, maybe like Emma, for example, then you'll have a little bit of help doing this because it will help you aggregate and tell you where you're spending your money, so on and so forth, and what you're spending your money on. But it's a worthwhile exercise doing because knowing where your money's actually going will inform you whether you're actually spending too much money in one location. You know, if you're spending over 100 quid a month on Amazon, I would say you've got a little bit of a problem. If you're spending, you know, over... 100 quid a month on things like takeout, I would suggest that you've got a little bit of a problem because those are the averages, by the way. The average take, you know, household spends 100 quid on take takeaways every single month. 
So if you're doing over that, I would say there's a problem. You know, many people will say if you're spending 100 quid on takeaways anyway, you've got a bit of a problem and maybe there you need to have a look at, you know, your, the practicalities of food prep, maybe. Um, but these are all important things to pay attention to. The reason why I'm saying this is because now is the time to look after the pennies. The pennies will then start to look after the pound. The other thing that I was going to say around spending is this. Try rounding up your transactions. This is particularly going to be helpful if you are the kind of person that likes to tap and use Apple Pay all of the time. Now, a lot of the banks now have this function. So I know that NatWest has got it. Starling, who I use, have basically got it. If you're using people like Moneybox, for example, they can round up your transactions to go into things like, you know, your stocks and shares, ISIS, so on and so forth. It will be amazing how much you find out that you save by rounding up those transactions. And if you don't know what roundup means, it basically means that if you're spending something like, you know, £1.85, for example, in a shop, the remaining 15p will get moved over to, into a separate account. And it's amazing that over a period of time, if you do this consistently, that 15p, 20p, 99p, 1p here and there can actually add up to, you know, 100 quid, 200 quid that you've got set aside. The opposite to this that I was going to suggest was if you are the kind of person where you know that tapping is just way too easy and you're a tapaholic, um, I met a few of those as well, um, then try doing a cash budget. And what I mean by that is leave, well, not, not necessarily leave your card at home, but take out an amount of money per week. So if it is £100 a week, right, and that's going to be for, you know, things like your lunches, whatever, just your spend for the week take the cash out because essentially you're going to be more mindful that you're handing over cash than just tapping and try to be really really strict on a couple of points the first one is when you take out the cash do not you you are not allowed to tap that entire week so no tapping that entire week you utilize the cash that is available to you and if you do spend all of that cash before the end of the week you are not allowed to take out any more money that requires a little bit of self-discipline, but I think that it can help and it can help you manage the whole tap, tap, tap addiction that a lot of people feel because it's so easy these days. Um, other things that I was going to mention on here. Um, this is a big one. And like we talk about it here on the, oh, on the, obviously on the podcast and on YouTube, but you know, financial literacy, financial literacy is really, really important particularly if you have things like, you know, credit cards, right? So if you've got credit cards at the moment and you're paying down the balances, try and have a look at, you know, your 0% balance transfers. I mean, your financial literacy will help you understand how those things actually work. So actually spending some time to find out about how do 0% balance transfers actually work could be a really, really big, big thing for you. If you're in overdrafts, for example, overdrafts are very, very expensive right now. Um, there is no quick fix for this. I spent years and years and years in overdrafts all the way through my 20s and through most of my 30s, I spent in overdrafts. And it, it is demoralizing when you're looking at your balance and you're constantly in a, in a minus. You need a little bit of a plan towards that. But most of these overdrafts these days are charged at, you know, 39.9% APR. They are very, very expensive. So, you know, speak with your bank to see if there's anything that you can do in terms of having some kind of arrangement where you can, either pay money into a separate account and have the, the overdraft paid down over a period of time until you basically clear it. Some banks don't like doing that. They'll say, well, we can't just reduce it. So you might want to have a separate account altogether to pay some money into start build up to the point where you can pay. And it may take a little bit of time. It's not going to be an overnight thing, 
But I think the control of those things are very, very important because if you're paying high interest rates and you've got a high overdraft, that's money that you could use. If you are with a bank that you've been with for a very, very long time, banks like Santander right now, I believe that they're giving like a 100 or 150 pounds incentive for you to switch your accounts. If you've been with your bank for a very long time, you're not really getting the service that you want, then you may consider switching and getting 150 quid from a competitor to get your custom. It's an extra source of income effectively. But look, guys, I hope that a few of these things that I've just mentioned here are useful. It's very, very difficult times right now. I know that. I guess at the end of the day, I think the way I want to end this this podcast, this episode is to basically say that, you know, yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, it's going to be painful. Yes, we're in a period of, I guess, financial pressure. But we have enough in the tank to be able to deal with this. We'll come out of this stronger on the other end. I think it's really important for you to speak to people, make sure that other people are okay as well, and just have conversations about how people are dealing with things. You know, you might have a a great idea from someone that you know or someone that somebody else knows that goes, I've tried this and this has worked for me. Have these conversations, I think help and will go a long way but guys i thank you so much for listening to this um, episode i'm very excited about um, secret spenders coming out so it's going to be in april at some point i will let you know the date um but yes the third episode to the convo is going to be out right now so if you haven't read it go to theconvo.io that's the convo t-h-e-c-o-n-v-o.io you can pick up the copy there if you haven't subscribed to that uh, list just yet make sure that you do have an amazing week and i will catch you next monday thank you for listening to today's podcast if you enjoyed the episode be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you new to investing check out peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need if you prefer one-on-one coaching Book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.